morning. This is Moss Whelan and Story in Mind. So just getting there go. the flump of the umbrella. <clears throat> It is a typical Vancouver day. Rain coming down. There we go. Now we're on the other side. <clears throat> okay. So, uh, topic-wise, I'm going to continue talking about the cause. Uh, we're always dealing with the symptoms, and rarely are we dealing with the cause. And I'm pretty sure I was talking about uh, reproduction last time. You know, that our, our country, our culture, families, media, it's just, it's all pushing and pumping for procreation, you know, rut until you, <laughs> until you, you know, figure it out, right, you know, until you fathom what's going on. And, and just on a, a sidebar, a side note, the, the interesting side effects of in, you know, introducing birth control uh, and the introducing birth control and then the knee-jerk response from from various facets, uh, say you know the religious. I'm thinking right away of the Catholic response that you know that you know they want more Catholics. They don't want less Catholics. They want breeders. They want accidental breeders. You know they want um, confused couples getting together and um, codependents sort of whipping on the frenzy. So, what is it? Uh, then, and then we have a, a decrease in unwanted pregnancies. We also have a decrease, apparently, you know, the statistical voodoo that there is, that there is a decrease also in incarceration. Um, prison population and let's see let's see what else uh, and, and then say sadly from from my own perspective as as a male you know in the majority uh, culture of Canada it's sort of like this sort of perception a confusion of what is supposed to be done, like this, on one hand, we're being whipped on by, you know, media, media, family culture, and uh, to go and to copulate, you know, to reproduce, and then at the same time, there's the, there's the push of, what is it, not wanting, and so say we're a uh, a male can leave the situation, you know, say, um, abandon the family, and the woman is, uh, the female is stuck, uh, stuck with kids, single parent, you know, now, now there's a kind of leveling of the field, but there's also this confusion of sort of, say, why isn't it happening? And 
I, I, I sort of observe this going on and, and going, oh, this is interesting. It's and, and there's a bit of a divide as well. There are, say, people who might otherwise have uh, branched out. And then there's uh, the flip side of people who are not. I, uh, I know, let's say, my childhood friends, you know, there's, there's those that have reproduced and those that have not. We come from exactly the same situation and you know that there there ought to be this kind of awareness you know that you know ah okay so you know everybody can take the pill now but not everybody is on that page and, and there's a lot of other angles to it too you know we're we're all coming from this countercultural background and yet some have uh, flocked to the opiate of the masses, religion, in, in one form or another. You know, for some it's Buddhism. I, I remember going to... I've, I've sort of checked it out in different ways in Buddhism, and one of the ways I checked it out was... Um, going to a week-long meditation retreat, which I do recommend, because it really um, just naturally it turns down the volume. Uh, but at the same time, you're confronted with you're confronted with sort of that Part of you know, oneself, you know, we have no <laughs> no coping skill. Uh, you know, we're just be you know whip, whipped on into the frenzy. You know, be a protective member of society, procreate. You know, uh, but I'm unhappy. I feel unfulfilled. <laughs> So I went to the, the week-long silent retreat, and then I also did, uh, locally, they have a Zen Buddhist uh, temple. And I'm bringing this up because there's this argument of, uh, I, had, I had one person tell me that, from my extended family, that um, Buddhism was... Uh, more of a philosophy. And it was going to the, the Zen Buddhist uh, thing because, let's see, why did I go there? I went there for a number of reasons. Mindfulness, which is coming out of uh, mindfulness, is this mental health uh, coping skill, basically. And that's coming out of Buddhism. <clears throat> And, and there, it's a, it's a great resource. I use mindfulness in, in different ways. But when I went to the Zen Buddhist temple, which was this house, you know, it was this suburb house in Vancouver, and there's these guys in, you know, wearing these black robes. And I went, I went along with the philosophy part of it until uh, I saw one guy uh, he, was, he was bowing bowing at bowing to the Buddha which you could say is just oh, you're just respecting. But but, but in that there's this sense of ancestor worship or just say that you're you're revering, aka you're worshiping, and perhaps some people can divorce themselves from this. But for for myself, that's where I saw that it was a religion, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't sort of turn that down for me, and you know, I just walk away in disgust. And it was it was just more sort of the. 
you know, realization. It, it is a religion, and you know, you can paint it however you want. I think, too, part of it, part, I remember what I saw was that it was an act of imitation, you know, and sort of revering as, you know, that looking up to, right? I want to be like this person, um, modeling oneself after. It's this tiny little black sculpture of Buddha, and I think it had slots for... I remember there was um, incense in there. And a, a huge contrast to the incense I grew up with. I, I remember the smell of incense as a child, but it was used to mask the odor of marijuana slash cannabis. And then it, uh, but it was also, it was also this badge of coolness. Right, you know, it's like uh, you were engaged in the Oriental. You know, you were an exotic person, aka a freak. Uh, and then too, when I went to uh, Korea, that uh, that I would see that. And even in Vancouver, though, you know, you'll go into uh, a restaurant, say a Chinese restaurant. You know, and then they'll have these red uh, incense, and let's see. I can remember going into a Buddhist restaurant in Vancouver, and the. religion was on the menu. <laughs> Normally there wasn't any religion really. You know, they had a they had a um, idol. I think it was a bodhisattva, which is this kind of angelic, a person who has uh, attained enlightenment and then returned to help others on the path. Kind of like a saint. So it would be a Buddhist saint. And so the whole while uh, eating uh, this vegetarian supper deep-fried tofu, which is amazing if you get a chance. But the whole time, this uh, woman with a shaved head uh, had a microphone, and she kept saying over and over again, big heart, you know, like huge heart, big heart. Uh, so the cause... Um, part, part of my pain, uh, part of my identity as a Canadian, is that I'm part of colonization. It continues. You know, one perspective of it is cultural genocide. And you can see it in Vancouver. You know, you walk around and, you know, Vancouver's... Uh, likes to think of it itself as cosmopolitan. I too like to. <coughs> Until I went to Korea. And I had the culture shock and rude awakening that I am a biased, prejudiced person. You know, and I'm not supposed to be. I'm supposed to be this hippie kid. You know, my. I'm supposed to be a star headed hipster. You know, my eyes are open. And uh, that's not the case. You know, my, my blinders are on. And, you know, I'm, I'm lucky, I'm blessed if I can uh, peek a bit around the corner of them. But for the most part, you know, I'm, you know, the mind-forged manacles, Blake's mind-forged manacles, you know, I've got them, you've got them. So, uh, why? If it's such a terrible thing, you know, why, uh, why do it? Why continue it? Why, why are we stuck in this kind of limbo? 
you know, why is it that uh, First Nations people, uh, Native Americans, Native Canadians, Aboriginals, uh, Indigenous peoples, you know, why are they last on the list? And, and you know, what what's going on with that? Why why are there suicide rates in that group of people? You know, it, it there ought to be this great sense of pride, you know, because it's 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 theirs, right? They're part of this, you know, the most powerful continent on earth. You can argue about that, but let's let's just go for world power. That they're part of this world power, namely in the states. Forget about Canada and Vancouver. And that, that's not to say that there is a that there is a sense of pride in the community. But there's there's a, a blinding pain in the community. And uh, uh, up in up here in Vancouver, we don't talk about it. You know, that's how our way of dealing it dealing with it is that we you know, you pick up a newspaper, you're you're lucky if you see anything about you know, anyone in the First Nation, First Nations community. You know, possibly if it's if it's sort of like a, you know, a government get together, a photo opportunity. You know, look how good we are. You know, uh, you know uh, the the monolithic uh, culture. We're good oppressors. Shake hands. You know, so so why do it? And it's all about sovereignty. As soon as we start handing over, uh, you know, handing handing over, you know, even just fifty percent equality, it's the illusion of that. You know, that's what's being offered, and it has to be that way or else the sovereign powers, you know, in, in the case of Canada, it's, uh, you know, England, the UK, and then in the case of uh, the United States, it's, you know, it's the United States, it's the President of the United States, the government, the government of Canada. That's not to say that the government is you know, this horrible, oppressive force. You know, you could argue that it's the best that it's ever been. But it's been horrible. It's been, it's been terrible. Uh, you know, you go back a hundred years, here in Vancouver, you have residential schools, you have land being taken away illegally, but it happens, right? Um... Vancouver is still paying for that mistake. And of course it's sort of say, um, you know, the corruption that's going on, they're not looking at the legacy of it. You know, the families that allowed it to happen. Uh, the big one for me here in, in Vancouver, I have my home city of New Westminster, these sort of subsidies. And I, so my city, of uh, home city of New Westminster, there was this, um, there was this tribe, this band, First Nations, uh, you know, this large family of people, and they were shipped off, they were broken up and shipped off to other places, so that, you know, the colonists in and I'll just say in Vancouver, so the colonists in Vancouver could have that real estate. Even though they didn't legally own it, it was never given away, it was never sold, and um, it's called, here it's called unceded territory. It's the ancestral, unceded territory of these, of these people, these families. And so that was in New Westminster. New, in New Westminster, they, they were all um, all of the people say on the list 
for this uh, for this tribe who passed away until one woman who was um, that she could apply and so she applied and she became the last uh, and the, the, that tribe is called, or band is called the Kakite and this woman didn't even know that she was First Nations her mother was so ashamed to be First Nations that uh, it was so oppressive her mother faked being Chinese in Vancouver it was so bad that she had to pretend to be a different race, a different culture. It's so oppressive. So, it's an amazing story, and I was inspired by that to work on my uh, my main character, Mool, who is who is First Nations, but has been even in the publishing process. I faced. Uh, I faced that oppression, right? I, that was an element of it. And uh, my editor, my editor, my uh, agent, and I, like, say, we were both confused, but at the same time, like, I, I knew what was going on. And I, uh, I acquiesced to it. And uh, that, that sort of continues uh, my shame. It just compounds it for me, right? That I, you know, I'm willing to sell. I'm willing to sell out. And and I think too, it's it's good though. We say, you know, part of the process of returning and doing a sequel is that I can. I can bring it forward, and I can do better. It's a golden opportunity. Golden opportunity. So. So, uh, so that was, that's New Westminster. And two, in New Westminster, at the college there, you know, I learned about these people who, you know, in a way had been wiped out, whose language is going extinct, the Salish Pacific Northwest Coast language. It's a language. And we're living in, you know, this is... You know, Vancouver is international, cosmopolitan, multicultural, and its indigenous language is extinct. Like, it's, it's right on the edge. There's no more, you know, people that speak it, you know, that were <laughs> born into it. It's been archived. Uh, in university, I talked with a linguistic linguist. I, I did something called... Uh, work study, something like that, and uh, so yeah, I was working just a little bit with this linguist, and, and it was it was it was another small tragedy finding out that it's over, right? I, you know, it's it is a dead language. I have made it dead. We have made it dead. And what can I do? You know. And, so I go and I, you know, look at the words and everything and come up with some stuff and my agent is, is like, no, 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 this will never sell. And of course, you know, the response from the indie community is, you know, boss, go publish it yourself. Brothers and sisters. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So I have I have a dictionary, a couple things at home, you know, of uh, the the local language. It's the language of the river and uh, the Fraser River. The people who live along the Fraser River, upriver, downriver, and then out to the islands, and it's a it's a beautiful for me. It's a beautiful. It adds something to this place. There's a you know there's a stench of uh, a lack. There's no history. You know, a uh, hundred years. Vancouver is something like 125. 
going on 50. There's nothing here. You know, there, and it, there's this desperate focus, you know, on what we have and what we are. We're multicultural, you know, multicultural. And, you, you know, you bring up cultural genocide, you bring up the local language, you, you know, anything like that. And people just turn away, you know, and, and uh, it's disgusting and, and it's human. We've been doing this for millions of years, thousands of recorded years in history. This is what we do. We roll in, we take over. Whether we're the Japanese in Korea with their failed attempt to colonize, you know, abducting teenage girls and, uh, you know, uh, branding them, you know, tattooing them for life as comfort women you know so that their soldiers can have this you know rape prostitution you know that and to this day you know the the Japanese still right you know they'll pay money but they won't apologize because if they do that they lose face it's all about the facade it's all about your honor. And, you know, there's a pros and cons to that. You watch a samurai movie, and you get it. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, these are knights in shining armor. But they refuse to take responsibility. And the other part of it is that it's, it's horrific. You look at any other act of genocide, and you talk to the people, um, you know, in Europe... Uh, and two, it's not that long ago where you have, you know, one ethnically group, different group of people. They're white, you know, but they speak a slightly different language and they're going to wipe each other out, you know, because they deserve it. So that's, that's what's happening here underneath the veneer. Well, why are we doing it? And it's sovereignty. Uh, you can pick it apart. What does it, you know, what does that mean? A sovereign is a monarch. A sovereign is the, you know, the head of state, the the ruler. You know, to govern, one must be governed. I'm reminded of. I think it, it was either in Ireland or. Scotland is probably in both, and that, you know, the English there, you know, and you're talking about people with a shared history, but also a shared history of violence, you know, and that the British seek to wipe out uh, Gaelic, you know, this language. And I'm, I'm a mutt, I'm a mix of, you know, you look at me and you go, well, Moss, you know, you're British, you're British-Canadian. You're white, but I'm I'm a you know I'm totally at odds with myself. You know I'm Anglican on one side, Church of England, and then I'm Catholic on the other side, you know, from from Ireland. You know, so there's there's conflict sort of with, within the the image of you know oh you know well you've got it all together. And it depends on how I identify. You know, if I'm talking with somebody from England, you know, if if <laughs> how how do they want to, you know, perceive themselves in the world, right? Well, thank goodness that I'm not Scottish, because those ginger-haired, you know, skirt-wearing, uh, crazy people are. You know, da 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 da. Or then, you know, at least I'm not Irish. And then vice versa. You could have an Irish person saying the exact same thing. So it's all kind of like looking into this. It's like a, a mirror maze, this weird, twisted, you know, way of defining oneself. And then here, here as well, 
at least I'm not an indie, right? And I know that that's, you know, it's a legal term, but it's also a slur. And I'm not using it. No, no I, I've used it. And it's, it's also a confusion. You know, it's based on this belief that North and South America were India, you know, that you know, they, had, they had found a, uh, a route to India. And there's this confusion of uh, East Indians uh, just saying that they're Indian. You know, and then it's sort of, you, re- you realize that, that, you know, in the North American context, Right, that's that's a bit that's not polite. But if you go outside of North America, right, in you know, English speaking circles, I'm pretty sure that India that's not even the name of the of the country, the nation. But you know, within this context that there's this back and forth between the term of what it means. They too, East Indians, as opposed to West Indians, you know, that they too were under the thumb of uh, the British Empire. You know, this Eurocentric, temporary empire. And too, that they, you know, in a sense, you know, there is this colonization that happened. You go there. The government is based upon uh, the British system. <laughs> they, they play cricket. I, I don't know if we play cricket in Canada, but they play cricket in India. And there's lots of, lots of elements that have passed back and forth. Um, this sharing of culture that is very human. And two, the, the taking of it, this appropriation. You know, the British love their tea. But tea isn't British, right? It has become British. And uh, it's this appropriation. And to be British is to have you know, your cup of tea. And, yeah, so it's this horrible human thing to do. So it's sovereignty, it's, it's about domination. I think if they could, and two, you know, there have been arguments to the effect of, you know, wiping out um, the First Nations, you know, in, of course in the past, but even today, uh, I've met people, uh, educated people, who were, you know, had no sympathy. And, you know, is it that, are they picking it up from their family? Is it that they've had a bad experience? Or is it just sort of that it's so difficult to deal with that sort of like, say, pointing at that group of people, a minority now in Canada and and the States, and, and saying... I feel bad because of this group of people. Therefore, I don't like this group of people because they make me feel bad about who and what I am. And that's that's closed-minded. And uh, but that's everybody. You know, the first person who gets up and says, "No, I'm not. I'm open-minded." It's like really, you know. <laughs> so you get you're willing to listen to you know the the people that you know spout um, racist bigotry you know and it's like oh nope nope you know I'm open-minded you know with with limits and that's I don't think that's open-minded which is which is a terrible thing to say because why 
on earth would you listen to someone who has an opposing point of view? And, and two, somebody who has a, a point of view that's vile and disgusting and filthy. But that that's always the that's always the POV growing up here and I'll go I'll go downtown and I'll rarely see, you know, a mixing. I'll see a lot of immigrants hanging out, but I don't see them hanging out with First Nations people. You know, or I'll see First Nations people in this group, right, uh, you know, taking care, you know, supporting each other. But, and two, that's not, you know, it, that's not entirely true, you know, and it's not entirely bad. I think it's just entirely difficult to to bridge, to trust, and to um, why? Because what it means is giving up, giving up the notion that this is my place, and there's a relief in that, but it's a it's a there's a sorrow to it as well. And say, when you're in that room, and then, you know, it's just a talk. Perhaps it's, uh, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a person from the government, a member, member of parliament in Canada, or perhaps it's somebody giving a lecture. Perhaps it's somebody from that community, you know from the First Nations community who starts who starts speaking, right, their speech uh, and talking about how this is the unseated you know, this is this is still their real estate if you go by the agreement with the with the sovereign who is the uh, Queen of England if you go by the legislation, the law that has been set down. You know, this land is still their land. You know, and that's where the problem starts. I think is that it's about real estate, and it's about knowing that you're in this place that is not yours. Now, let's 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 break it down even further. For me. As a British Canadian, you know, it's the difficulty is more. I think more obvious. Um, like say, I have a straight line to the problem, and I'm looking at it and going, I, I know I've done a bit of research. <laughs> I've I've looked at the Wikipedia uh, and the page, and then I've gone to the library, Zuh. and. I've talked. I've talked with a few First Nations people locally, and not enough. And there's a there's a wall in the way. And I, I think this is talking about it is my way of you know digging that hole or communicating over the top of the wall to other human beings. You know, and who I live with. You know, I, I, you know, I was born in Vancouver. I don't know these people. I don't speak their language. You know, but they're my neighbors. You know, and I see bits and pieces, fragments of art, clothing, identity. You know, and I'm not part of those that heritage and traditions. I have my own, right? Colonial you know, brought from, you know, all, all kinds of different, uh, I have Scottish, you know, traditions, you know, and my, my, how I identify, you know, as a Scottish, Irish, English, a bit of French, a bit of Hungarian, and that, you know, all that factors into who I think I am versus who I, am am and so 
let's see to clarify. So I, it's, it's about my part ownership of this sovereignty, my relationship with this sovereign. It's less clear, I think, in the United States, you know, where the, 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 the notion and the reverence for democracy is more potent you know, than the um, a British monarch, which you know it, it has that um, taint and tint of of uh, dictatorship. If you let it, if times are desperate enough. So. So for me, it's it's plain Jane, uh, you know, standing into the um, standing into the, in the shoes of an immigrant from uh, they might be white, but they're not British, or say how they identify. You know, they've just come over; they don't have anything to do with England. Maybe they speak English very well; they're an Anglophile, but they come here. And they don't identify as the oppressor. They don't identify as, you know, British, Canadian. They don't have that sense of history. I can take my, my history back to the Mayflower. I can do that. You know, one strand of my family came over in the Mayflower. But then there's all of these others, later strands, coming here, say, a hundred years ago from, say, um, a couple hundred years ago, a hundred years ago from uh, Scotland, you know, to farm in the prairies. You know, wanting that bit of land and uh, opportunity, this invitation. You know, come over here, beef up the population, support the sovereignty. So I have that identity that I look to. Uh, and then say you have someone who's coming in, they're going to look to me, right, and say, oh, well, I, I went to Korea, and I was shocked, because they said, uh, we were talking about Canadians, and they said, oh, no, 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 you, you're Canadian, and I was like, well, well, no, you know, <laughs> you know, there's the First Nations, oh, not them, no, they're not Canadian, you're Canadian. I was like, well, we have a lot of Chinese people living in Vancouver. They're not Canadian. You're Canadian. And it gave me this really, um, I felt disgusting. You know, and then you might say, and well, you should. And uh, how do you live with that garbage? You know, that your whole existence, you know, is tied into this real estate, right? And that, you know, you, I'm not supposed to allow these other people, my First Nations neighbors, you know, to have a stake in it. Oh, they sure, they can buy a place, but sort of in the zeitgeist or the paradigm, right, that they're on the outside. And it's terrible because it's like, it doesn't matter, you know, you could be born here you could be, there could be a mix, but it's always going to be, there's always going to be this, say, judgment, you know, where you fall. And, and that's the, um, that's what goes on in Vancouver. There's this, like, say, I think, I thought it was 50% Chinese population. But it, then I heard it's 30%, so I'm not sure, you know, why is it the statistics is like that? <laughs> uh, where did this 20% go? You know, have they, have they moved outside of the city? Uh, or, you know, the area? They've gone to Alberta, the, uh, the province slash state next door. But... 
But there's this kind of collision of culture that's happening in Vancouver right now. And nobody wants to talk about it. Except, no. <laughs> there's other people who will talk about it, especially in the Chinese community. Um, for myself, I'm on the lookout for the Creole, which is a, a mix of language that uh, there ought to be uh, a Creole of Chinese and English. One term for it is Chinglish. And it would be um, it would be Vancouver, so there would be a, a type of Chinglish. We do have a few First Nations words, especially, say, in uh, talking about you know, places. There are place names that uh, are First Nations, uh, such as Kitsilano in, in Vancouver. You know, that's a that's a local First Nations you know, a name of a people and a place. And yet, you know, n- nobody refers to it that way. They don't, you know, they talk about Kitsilano in this appropriated sense of that it is it is ours. You know, there's no knowledge, there's no conversation of, you know, Kitsilano is First Nations. You know, it's Native, Native American, Canadian, etc., etc., etc. You know, it's, that's just totally shoved aside. Oh, back to the, back to the Chinese equation. Uh, I'm in the neighborhood where there's uh, lots of... I, th- I think, too, it's, like, say, it's one of the big expressions of the Asian community in Vancouver. And... There is a sense of enclave. I don't, I don't think you can avoid it. Um, but my... Not a fear. It's just this feeling of being, uh, sort of, say, outside. Like, say, oh, well, the First Nations' problem is your problem. It's not our problem. And that there's that division there. To further complicate it, it's, say, a person of a Chinese uh, background who's born here, grows up. They might not speak a lick of Chinese. They might not, you know... You know, that they are, a.k.a. North American, 100%. And yet still, they're on the outside of the equation that they can, you know, say in a conversation, talking about First Nations, that there's a bit, a kind of relief. Oh, well, you know, at, you know, Moss, at least I'm not, you know, you. <laughs> the burden, the onus falls on you. And... And two, that, though, that denial doesn't work. And being in deep conversations, uh, a guy on my, on my block, uh, a Chinese guy, uh, fled from China, persecution, you know, by the uh, communists. And, uh, you know, he grew up here. He grew up here. You know, he, I, you know, he, I, he identifies as Canadian. And... The, 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 the sense of, uh, you know, say, I don't know, Chinese-ness is not there, you know. And, you know, in our conversations that say, we agree, and yet our hands are tied at the same time, it's almost like we have to stop being who we are, you know, that he has to stop being uh, an immigrant, you know, he has to be um, he has to be the person who uh, goes out of his way to connect with this community instead of it's weird to be talking about right my community versus your community and oh well, you know well at least I'm not in your community and then too I'll, I'll get these I'll get these moments of um, 
bias, right? That, what is it called? There's that horrible phrase, the white man's burden, right? You know, oh, well, we've got to carry, you know, carry this situation with these other people. And that's not where I'm at. And I, I'm, not, I'm not the person to be, to talk to about the situation. And um, say, you know, the continuation of it. You know, because it is cultural genocide. It's a slow cultural genocide. It's a slow squeeze and strangulation and, you know, uh, will wipe you out. You know, your descendants will exist, but they won't even know who they are. And while this is happening on top, you know, we have multiculturalism. I'm encouraged to celebrate the Chinese New Year a.k.a. the Lunar New Year that is celebrated by, celebrated by China and Korea and you know, other uh, Asian countries and peoples in that area. You know, I, I, I'm not encouraged to celebrate a First Nations festival. You know, that's, you know, the local TV stations, uh, news rags, um, people. You know, we don't do that. Yes, there are powwows here, and there are potlatches here, which is this uh, potlatch is a local gathering, feast, um, traditional, and I'm I'm glad and I'm grateful that it continues. Yes, there is this awareness. Uh, there's classes at local universities where you can learn this language on the brink of extinction, or that is a dead language, according to a local linguist. And, and so it's, it's, this, it's this push and pull, it's the, it's the worst parts of ourselves in Vancouver versus uh, the best, you know. Um, and, and for me, it's the silence. And even doing this podcast, you know, I'm shackled. You know, I can feel it in my mind. I'll delete episodes where I start going on an, a tangent in this uh, podcast. Start talking about, you know, First Nations. Uh, awareness. Just awareness. You know, and I'll, I'll get confused and upset, and I'll lose my focus, and uh, hate myself, right, you know, why on earth would anybody hate themselves, you know, why, why would they look down on themselves, uh, you know, why, you know, why wouldn't you just rise up, you know, and be the Luke Skywalker, or the... Oh, I was looking for a female equivalent, and I came up with Wonder Woman. Uh, bondage history aside, what's wrong with bondage, Moss? Uh, <laughs> go do your research about Wonder Woman. We're not talking about that today. Um, uh, let's see. Bondage. No, no, no. First Nations. Um, yeah. Uh, why not be that hero? And I'll have, you know, I'll try to talk to my siblings, to my friends, uh, you know, uh, family, um, neighbors. And it's like a, it's like an agreed upon shame. And, and that sort of like, we are going to carry this together. You know, this, this horrible thing we're doing, we're not going to stop doing it. Because if we stop doing it, Canada ceases to exist. You know, uh, oh, our, bi our big bad sovereign is not a big bad sovereign, right? You know, the uh, good old queen, she's not doing anything bad. Nothing bad is happening. 
I have to go to work, right? I want to go watch a movie on the weekend. Right? I don't have time for this. It's not happening. I don't see it. There's no problem. And there is no problem if you don't... If you think there's no problem, you know, that's, you know, humans can do that. We can erase ourselves, we can, you know, re-educate ourselves and uh, brainwash ourselves. And I think that deep down at the core of every North American, anybody who's involved in this uh, colonialism, and, you know, going down into South America, you know, the atrocities of the past continue. They haven't gone away. Um, the, you know, the, the fear is that, oh, you know, we're going to lose everything. It's going to flip around. They are going to oppress us. Really? Yes. You know, that's, that's what this is all about. It's all about, you know, I've worked hard for my homestead, you know, and as they walk down these streets, right, we have these streets, these people, they've come here for a better life, you know, in the, in the Chinese situation, really, seriously, they are escaping a dictatorship, it is a dictatorship, you know, it is not a democracy, and... You know, do do you? Yeah. So you know, what's what's the solution? Um, uh, having information, you know, being informed, um, seeking awareness, and then number one is promoting culture. You know, Vancouver. You know, we're we're bilingual. You know, the right thing to do is trilingual. You know, it ought to be. And sad to say, it's going to be Chinese first. And already, you know, you'll go to a lot of government places and they'll have, you know, forms and uh, signs in Chinese. You know, and it's it's understandable because you're talking about a big chunk of uh, a population, and also you're talking about a big chunk of. Uh, Here's an example of terminology. The Asian invasion, right? That's something I grew up with. Yeah, but to serve multiculturalism at the cost of cultural genocide? Make your decision. You know, the, the Chinese Canadians I know would never sign up for that. They would never agree to that. And that said, they are enchained. They are born into bondage, you know, mind-forged manacles. They have, you know, they want the Canadian dream. They want the American dream. You know, it's not about coming to Canada. It's about going to the United States. Even I want to go to the United States. I want to write Hollywood movies. You know, I want to be published in New York. I want to be interviewed on the late night with Stephen Colbert. Now, I... I barely exist up here. I'm sure I know more people in the United States than I do in Canada. Well, that's hyperbole. That's how it feels. And... And to now there's this wonderful feeling of having sold out, you know, my culture of origin, I've sold out my family, I've sold out my friends, and, you know, I'm the worst Canadian that you could ever possibly meet. Because, why? I'm against Canada. I don't buy it, you know, you know, I'm, I'm experiencing the worst that Canada has to offer. Don't come to Canada. Don't come to Vancouver. (laughs) You, 
you're going to get mugged. <laughs> oh, Moss, statistically speaking, no, no, you're going to get mugged. <laughs> you're going to get mugged. You're going to be invited to oppress a people. And quietly, right? It's, it's not, you know, bullhorns and, you know, people, you know, po putting up posters saying, you know, kill the, you know, indigenous people. Uh, and, of course, you're not, you're not going to hear, you know, that it's, it's all about real estate. It's all about real estate. It's about occupation. And uh, those have been buzzwords. But, you know, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not on board. I'm doing my own thing. You know, this is, this is me. I'm not part of any group. Um, you know, I have just as many flaws as anybody else does. I'm not, I'm not the poster child. That's the thing. I'm not the poster child for multiculturalism. I, you know, I, I, I see that the most glaring side effect, you know, is the oppression of the First Nations people. You know, for all the, you know, hip hip hooray of this thing we're doing. You come to Vancouver, you find the person that can speak, you know, Halkamalem, whatever dialect you know, of the three dialects. And that's not going to happen. And then, you you know, if you ask someone, you know, I really hope that you can find someone, you know, who, you know, of consciousness, who can at least say, yes, these people exist. And, and then, and just pushing for more of it. If you come to Vancouver, do it right. You know, if you're a tourist here, if you're moving here, right? You know, get it straight. Make some effort. In, invest in an ethical Vancouver. Don't fall for the tourist trap, right? If you want to go for a tour, sign up with uh, a First Nations tour company. We have excellent and amazing First Nations museums, uh, cultural, you know, uh, there's a museum of anthropology here. Go there, right? Check out the archaeology here, right? Get to learn the real, the lush, dense history of Vancouver. You know, the, the, the real beauty of this place. Not the cultural veneer of, you know, English-speaking uh, British sovereignty etc, etc. And to throw in your religion, you know, because religion was right there. They were pushing for it under the umbrella of Christendom. You know, do this. Take uh, children away from their families and re-educate them. You know, kill, uh, kill, I don't want to say it, but I'm already there. The quote was, kill the Indians. You know, kill the Indian and the Indian. Uh, you know, that's, that was their manifesto, you know, and it's passed on to me, you know, and what, <laughs> it's vile, right? It's the vile subtext of, of what we're doing here. What else, what else could you do here? You know, you could, you can invest in the art, you know, find, find, you know, somebody who's not culturally appropriating it like a white person who's doing uh, indigenous stuff and turning a profit. Uh, you know, it's not their culture. You know, and, the, and that garbage of, you know, oh, it doesn't matter. It's like, you just said it right there. <laughs> their culture doesn't matter. And, so, and too, I find myself in that place as well. You know, how much of an homage and writing can I do? You know, can I use the characters? Like say, you know, the raven from the local, I believe it's like, say, Salish. This is this trickster character, like Coyote, 
you know, and this, you know, wonderful stories. But they're not my stories. You know, and <clears throat> knowing what I know, knowing about what's happening here, to... I think the best thing that, say, I could do is to find local First Nations writers and celebrate them. You know, their works. And introduce people to them and you know pu- push aside the focus on British multiculturalism it is British multiculturalism it is British centric you know come, come to Canada immigrate to Canada but be British speak our language do our things and especially don't be yourself right that's number one Never, never be yourself. Okay. Thank you for listening. And I'm sure I've totally destroyed this podcast. And I'm happy about it. I mean, you know, this is... This is... I was born to do this.